Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. The lymphatic system operates parallel to our blood circulatory system with several key differences. Number one, our lymphatic system carries lymph, a clear protein-rich fluid that's not at all blood. And number two, it doesn't have a heart to pump the fluid through the system and it relies on movement within our body so that that fluid can then be processed at different processing plants throughout our body. Without our lymphatic system, we would die within a couple of days. Hi, I'm Marnie, your host of the Heal Thy Skin podcast, and today I'm speaking with Tony Vanderneet of Zebra Lymphatics. Tony operates a lymph clinic in the beautiful Yamundi of North Queensland, and he shares how the lymphatic system works, the conditions that can be treated with a technique called manual lymphatic drainage, and some hot tips on how you can improve your health by improving your lymph. I started by asking Tony the types of people that he works with. People with any issues relating to the lymphatics, and as we go through the podcast, we'll learn a little bit more about that. Um, primarily, I do a lot of work with uh, my age care patients, uh, post-operative breast cancer patients, but also a growing number of autoimmune disease patients and for those that haven't heard of MLD before what MLD is it's an abbreviation for manual lymphatic drainage and it's a very gentle massage that's designed to stimulate the lymphatic system into action. Great and for those listeners that may not um, be very familiar with the lymphatic system would you mind just giving a really brief um paragraph or two on what the lymphatic system is uh yes throughout the body you've got the average person's got probably six to seven hundred nodes which are security stations which have a multiple number of functions um there's pipe work that drains all through the body to the neck and finally discharges into the bloodstream and this system's responsible for balancing all the fluid in our body keeping it viscous or runny and uh, for removing all the waste, toxins, dead cells, viruses, bacteria, and so on, into our bloodstream, and then it can be eliminated from the body. Yeah, so essentially it's like a recycling plant or a, a trash um, sorting plant for our body. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like getting all of our food scraps from our kitchen and our rubbish to the tip, which is our, uh, which is our digestive system. We've got to get it there first and we've got to clean every single cell in the process. Mm. Mm. And when you first learnt about the lymphatic system, um, what, what was your decision in, trying, in deciding to start practising? Um, I had a friend that had learned uh, on what's called a VODA therapist. So there's a number of different people practising lymphatic therapy. Um, I had a friend that was learning and she needed a guinea pig. So I'll put my hand up. 
Um, it made me feel dramatically better, even though there was nothing technically wrong with me. I was just leaving, uh, leading a stressful life. Um, and after that point, uh, both my mother, my father um, developed and then passed away of cancer and my sister developed breast cancer. So at this end in life, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more meaningful. And those situations brought me to wanting to help people more, I suppose. Mm, and it was so it was quite close to your heart. Oh, very, then. very close. And uh, I felt that this was something that people knew very little about. I couldn't believe how extensive the lymphatics play a role in our health. And I, I suppose I wanted to be involved in, A, helping people and to some extent educating each patient so that they can make better decisions. Mm. Mm. And what was your background prior to um, working with the lymphatic system, Tony? <laughs> um, I was a builder. So um, I've done quite a few mm. things. Um, but, um, yeah, I'd um, been owner-builder on about six premises um, I'd managed student accommodation, a graphic designer at one stage, a drainer, which probably was somewhat wow. <laughs> related to what we were doing. But it gave me a different set of eyes compared to some of the other therapists on the courses because I'm interested in mechanics and, and millimetres and how things work. And the real nice thing about this is with our technology today, we can actually measure and prove these things. It's 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 a, a mechanical system that we're stimulating, and that's something that excited me about it too. Fascinating. And I've even heard some people refer to the lymphatic system like our internal plumbing system of, of a house or even out in the streets. So it's interesting that you can kind of bring that correlation mm, as well. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we've got the two plumbing systems in our body, one which is the uh, the blood system, but very few people seem to know much about the lymphatics and it plays an equally important role. Mm. Mm. So t tell us a little bit more about the conditions that can be treated that either you treat or that you've seen treated. Um, I've treated all sorts of um, problems in the body, anything from scars, from breast cancer, cesarean section, cleft lip, um, because what the body does is it, creates additional fibers and if we treat those fibers correctly and stress them using the body's lymphatic system we can reduce scarring and there's a whole lot of benefits with that the other thing is is that because the lymphatic system is responsible for fluid balance and waste removal i can't actually think of any disease or condition in the body which won't at least be alleviated or benefit from having uh, manual lymphatic drainage uh, and that can be anything from dementia scleroderma uh, spina bifida uh, people that have had explants their implants removed because of toxicity um, bowel disease is a, another big one when we stimulate the lymph and manipulate the bowel we actually get tremendous results with people just moving the waste from the bowel so yeah, mm. almost all conditions, because the body generates inflammation and waste, in some cases viruses, inflammation and bacteria, and if we can stimulate the removal of any of those factors, all of those conditions will be uh, become less a problem. Mm. Mm. 
So do, do you also believe that encouraging the flow of lymph through the body is not only beneficial for disease and, and lymphatic dysfunction, but also just the average modern human? Absolutely. I, I wouldn't consider that there would, be very, there would be very few people that aren't toxic in some way. Now, we're either breathing in toxins from our dashboards in our hot cars, our, uh, the outgassing on our carpets. We're taking in toxins when we eat. Uh, some of the foods we eat have got spray on them and so on. All of us suffer stress. We all carry cortisol in our body. The way cortisol gets out of the body is through the lymphatics. So healthy people right through to terminally ill people can benefit greatly because we're just cleaning the tissue. We're like a big glass of water that's a mixture of chemicals. And if we can help the body's homeostasis to function better and bring that balance back to your best chemical balance, it's got to be better for you as in no matter what condition you're in. Mm. Mm. And so what about, are there any risks to these types of treatments? Uh, yes, you can't uh, do manual lymphatic treatment over an open wound. Uh, but what you can do is we treat proximal. So all the drainage happens in the neck. So if someone had a wound on their arm or their leg, we can treat up until the wound but not over the wound because we don't want to create an infection. Um, and that will actually suck the toxins, the bacteria and so on out of the wound. Uh, a second point would be if someone's got a heart condition, if we increase the fluid intake in the bloodstream when it arrives at the neck, we can actually load up the heart. So some caution needs to be taken with people uh, that have heart issues um, and the final one is if someone has a virus, there is a risk that we can spread it through the, the body. So in general, we wait until the virus has been treated to some extent or we get the okay from uh, the doctors in, or the specialists in that particular area, and then we're free to treat. Mm. And these, of course, would be covered in a consultation or a prior consultation if someone was undergoing MLD or other lymphatic treatments with a practitioner. Yeah, we, we, we always look at the contraindications. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So I know you're really passionate about the lymphatic system, um, Tony, and aside from where it all um, that interest started from, what has been one of your favourite case studies or, or treatment outcomes of one of the patients that you've been working with? There's been so many and very varied sort of cases, but uh, when I began the clinic, um, it was very hard to get patients at the start because people know very little about lymphatic disease. Um, but I offered a, uh, a clinical trial to the, a number of societies and someone from the Scleroderma Society put their hand up. And so I was treating this lady, 65-year-old lady who had scleroderma for a whole life. Uh, a couple of her issues were that her bowels weren't working properly and that her decollage on her neck was very sensitive to um, her wearing articles of clothing on her chest. After about the fourth treatment, she said, I had my, normal, my first normal bowel movement in a long time. And I said, well, what, what's it normally like? And she said, well, it's a mixture of constipation and diarrhea, but now it's actually coming out well-formed and I'm having a good clearance. So as a lymphatic therapist, I really get excited about 
the waste that's coming out, strangely <laughs> enough. <laughs> and, um, and I said, so what's the long time? And she said, my whole adult life. So here's a lady that's 65, and just by stimulating her lymph, her bowels were moving for the first time. And to be honest, she's not come back. Um, I've taught her how to treat, uh, self-treat on her neck and her abdominal area. And she's been uh, having normal bowel movements with the exception of when she eats too greasy a food. Um, but normal bowel movements since 2016. And her decollage has dropped from an 8 out of 10 for discomfort down to a 2. And it's remained consistently wow. there. They're little things, but they're exciting to a therapist that wants to make change in someone's life for the better. And they're exciting for a patient that has been um, experiencing those types of symptoms for her entire adult life. Yeah. They're day-to-day things that are changing for for uh, Yeah, absolutely. And the sad thing is she didn't know until now. The great thing is she knows now. And, Mm. you, you know, if, I mean, one of the things is, is that when we have some issue to find the right, um, medicine to use the right therapy to use it's magic when you find the right one because it it gives you an increased quality of life yeah Mm. so in regards to the lymphatic system um tony and mld are there other modalities or treatments that you use or do to encourage the flow of lymph uh yes um and three main things stimulate the lymph Skeletal muscle movement is one. So the general rule of thumb is that people that exercise more seem to be healthier. But the logical, mechanical, measurable thing in that is that when the skin and the muscle moves against the lymph, it's stimulating the lymph. We can add to that if we can put someone in water and exercise, pressure on the body tends to um, stimulate the lymph better it functions better when it's got something to push against and we've all seen those images of high speed uh, or slow motion olympic swimmers and the skin and and their muscle is moving all over the place as they move through the water Um, and of course temperature change stimulates uh, lymphatic um, action so our lymph nodes in our pipes are a little bit like a couch potato and they're happy to sit on the couch and not do much Um, If we can get them up out of the chair by doing some exercise, some bouncing, and it doesn't have to be vigorous, uh, the lymph will have to get out of its 10 to 15% slack state and it revs up to possibly 30 or 40% function. And, of course, it's working hard at cleaning and balancing fluid, um, increasing our defence and so on. So um, mainly movement is... The thing that will help aqua aerobics is one of the best bouncing on a mini tramp bouncing in water Um, they're the main things yoga is great Uh, belly breathing or deep yoga breathing is also very good for changing the diaphragmatic pressure in the chest Mm. Mm. so there's lots of things that we can do day day to day as well to assist in our lymphatic flow it's not just and and look the whole point for me as a therapist is to send people home and they can become involved in the program. They don't need to come back. We can tape them by putting kinesio tape on their body and they can learn how to do that on themselves. 
Um, they can buy themselves a mini tramp from an op shop or cash converters for $25 and bounce. Um, if they're older, we can get them in water, and so if they fall over, uh, they're less likely to hurt themselves. Their body weighs half as much in water. We're really trying to encourage a more active life because it's physical tugging and twisting on the skin and against the skin that gets the lymphatic system to function. Mm, fascinating. Yeah. So we've talked about some of the things that you can do to assist with lymphatic flow and you've talked about uh, some great or a case study that's close to your heart. What about um, some times when you may not have been able to achieve what you could for your patient? Are there some times when MLD alone won't do what you intend it to do? Uh, yes. Um, some examples of that would be uh, when you get patients with breast cancer, they've had nodes removed out of their armpit uh, or out of their groin or depending on the location of the cancer. Uh, then what you have to do is the whole issue becomes a little bit more complicated and a lot more thought has to go into it. And we have to use other methods to bypass the mechanical breakdown in the lymphatic system to move lymph in other places. Uh, one area that I've had some issues with is uh, patients with a redundant bowel. Uh, we can get toxins to the bowel, but sometimes manipulating the bowel won't actually... Uh, stimulate the bowel to actually release um, and that seems to happen more and more with older patients being on medication and just the sheer fact that they're getting older. Um, to compensate that um, I'm actually moving into colonic irrigation to complement uh, what I'm doing as well but uh, lymphatic drainage on its own won't necessarily help someone with a redundant bowel that I've found. Mm. Mm. And there are uh, some practices that will say MLD, maybe if someone has lymphatic dysfunction and they've, it's been there for a long time and there's perhaps fibrosis or scar tissue that's built up because that lymphatic dysfunction is not um, been working for some time. If you don't use it, you lose mm -hmm. it basically. Have you um, seen MLD work with these types of patients or there would be other things that you could do? Um, uh, definitely you can do other things in most cases. If you can imagine that there's a pipe, um, an eight to 10 mil diameter pipe, uh, eight to, um, eight hundredths or, um, you know, just a s small percentage of a millimeter thick and it's not working anymore because the node has been taken out. Move the lymphus to suck it to the surface by placing tape in an appropriate fashion on the surface of the skin that decreases the pressure at the skin causing convolutions in the skin or I suppose corrugations on the skin. And if you put the tape on in that way, the lymph instead of trying to flow through a pipe will actually be lifted to the surface of the skin and then follow along the surface of the skin and, until the tape ends. And hopefully if the therapist has done it right, they'll actually direct the lymph to um, another part of the body that's functioning well. Um, the other thing you can do is if we stress fibrosis and fat in the body uh, through either taping or through manipulation of that area or through even low-level laser, 
what can happen is then the macrophages recognize that tissue now, even though it was growing in abundance, as damaged tissue. And they'll nibble at the fibrosis and take it away. So we can either um, uh, divert the lymph to another pathway or we can concentrate on stressing the tissue in such a way that the macrophages, the little Pac-Man of the body, will actually nibble and take and reduce that additional tissue that's slowing down the lymphatic system. Um, another thing is too is that if we have scars on the body, uh, a caesarean scar or a, a scar from a breast implant, in general, if the scar is larger than probably two millimetres, the lymph capillaries can't push through and create a pathway again. Um, if we can reduce that scar down, we can in some cases get the lymph capillaries to grow through the, this thin reduced scar and the lymph will start flowing again. Mm. So when we're talking about, say, cosmetic surgery mm. or even trauma surgeries um, where scars can be quite significant, mm. there would also be an issue as, as a result of lymphatic dysfunction or the lymphatic system or the capillaries not being able to work effectively in those areas. Yes. Do you see that in your practice? I, yeah, I see it all the time. I've had a number of patients with um, BCCs and SCCs on their, their upper part of their body, their neck, uh, a man with a melanoma the other day. And when you get excessive scarring, uh, the, the lymph just dams behind the scar. It can't move forward. And what it tends to do is it fills the, the limb, as an example, or the cheek on a person, and it gently drains away around the scar, but there's always a puffiness um, um, below the scar, if, if I could put it that way. So it, it's a, in so many cases, uh, people, once they have um, quite six, uh, serious scarring, will actually have a buildup of lymph underneath the scar for sure. And then, of course, I'll oh, go so on. I was just going to say, so with treating the scar, you would hope that the lymphatic um, function would come back to a point in that area. Yeah, absolutely. So if we can reduce the scar enough, and there's, we've got a lot of case studies where that is the case, um, or what we can do is we can give the patient a workaround. Because um, just remember, once the fluid sits below a scar for a prolonged amount of time, then it starts a catch-22 situation happening. The fluid loses its viscosity. It becomes more syrupy. Our defence that's trying to swim through that lymph can't get through it as well anymore. Sometimes it can cause secondary cancers. Fat is attracted to the area, and then, of course, fibrosis will begin to form. So we want to always keep that lymph moving if we can, and we can do that through taping, just say we can't reduce the scar, we can always tape the person and that tends to move the lymph around the area that was uh, dammed up. Mm. So just for a little clarity for mm. our listeners, so lymph in an area would also be known as swelling or inflammation? Uh, no, not necessarily. What happens is the lymph that builds up in an area, uh, the fluid dams first it's viscous fluid. Then what happens 
because it's not emptying, it starts to create inflammation as a secondary thing in that point. And as we know, lymph uh, inflammation is not good. And then there's a, uh, a pathological change which happens in the body where it starts to deposit fat in that area. And these things happen afterwards. But basically the area becomes less and less healthy. And quite often you can tell that by looking at the skin. The skin thickens. Um, it becomes, it gets rashes, uh, pimples, a discoloration on it. Sometimes you get little white lumps, which are the lymph is trying to push through the surface. Sometimes it forms blisters called lymphorrhea and they can break. And that's the last thing you want um, on uh, an arm or a leg or a part of the body that's got lower defence. Yeah, mm. and just remember, if you if you were a, a T cell or a B cell, and your job is to swim out of the armpit and go down and just check the upper arm for any foreign bodies in there, if you were swimming through viscous fluid like the ocean, well, that's easy swimming. But if we put you in a swamp and you're a lifesaver trying to th swim through a swamp, life becomes a lot harder. And a matter of fact, some of the the our defence can actually go out and die out there, and then they they become part of the rubbish, which is an even more serious situation. Mm. So what are some things that people can do to increase the health of their lymphatic system? Is it just through the movements that you talked about earlier? <clears throat> yes. The, probably, probably the best thing that you can do is try and get into water and hopefully uh, cooler water. So if you can go from normal temperature outside into a temperature change, which is colder, uh, that shocks the lymph. <laughs> we feel that shock when we jump into cold water, but it's actually really stimulating our lymph and getting them into action. Bouncing is a great thing because all of our internal organs, if you would, slosh up and down, and they're now dragging and tugging on these lymph pipes. And if we could show our listeners the structure of the lymph, they're a, a series of pipe work with little collagen fibres and doors all over the pipes, and when those pipes move under the skin, the doors open and fluid flows into the pipes. So um, if people want to stimulate their lymph, movement is the number one thing. Movement in water is greater. Um, not moving on a really hot day and cooking the lymph. You know how like um, sometimes you might go for a run on a hot day that's really bad for the lymph because the body is going to say, man, I'm getting hot. I need to flood the tissue with fluid. And if you flood uh, a lymphatic system that is struggling, it's just going to increase the load. So not exercising on a hot day uh, would be a good idea. <laughs> Stay away from exercise on a really hot day. And is that for everyone in general or just those with a lymphatic dysfunction? Uh, it's more exacerbated in a person that's got um, lymphatic function. Um, the other thing, just as a sideline, uh, we always warn people that have, uh, we've all seen our patients with uh, compression garments on an arm or a leg after, say, breast cancer operations and things like that. We always want to watch that we don't get punctures in those limbs because, of course, that limb has got a lowered defence system um, and it would definitely, you've got a far greater risk of things like cellulitis and so on and infection. So, um, but yeah, look, in general, people 
exercising on an excessively hot day, it wouldn't be sensible for the lymphatic system. Um, for people that are older, maybe they could just shampoo their hair in the shower and when, before they rinse out, turn the hot off and just have 30 seconds of just cold water while they rinse out their hair. And you'll feel like a million dollars afterwards. I think that's a great tip. That's something that I've been doing for the last mm. few months. And, and I tell you, the first week or so, I dreaded turning the hot water off. And now it's something that if I, it helps me wake up in the morning. It invigorates <laughs> yeah. me. And I'm so glad to know that it also supports my lymphatics. Yeah, absolutely. It's a simple thing. Um, yeah, there's a guy called Wim Hof. He's known as the Iceman. Um, if our listeners get a chance, just have a look. He, he does a lot of work in cold water and he's got an extremely robust lymphatic system and it just adds a lot of support to what we're learning about the lymphatic system. Mm. Mm. So what's one thing that you'd like people to know about the lymphatic system that they might not already know? Um, I think the most important thing is is just to think about the principle if we never emptied the food scraps out of our sink in our house, um, the problem would exacerbate itself to eventually we won't be able to get in, the, in, the, in our kitchen. And our body's the same. If we never empty the lymph, if we never stimulate the lymph, because it's a rubbish disposal system in our body, ill health must follow. We need to do simple things and we can do things tailored to our age and our uh, physical ability to move at any level in our life to stimulate our lymph. So we, we need to th realise that our lymphatic system is important. We can do something ourselves. We don't have to spend money to do it um, and we can live a richer and healthier life if we can just learn a few basic things to stimulate our lymph. Who else loved that interview? I did. Oh, the lymphatic system. I just find our bodies endlessly fascinating. Tony shared with us a great overview of how our lymphatic system works and gave some simple ways you can improve the health of your lymph at home. The three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me was skeletal muscle movement. Is someone that moves regularly more healthy because of the improvements of their cardiovascular system? Or is it because it encourages lymph to move through the body and as a result the lymph fluid processes more rapidly? I'd say it's a bit of both, but I wonder if anyone has considered this. Number two, if you are considering cosmetic surgery, have you discussed the impact on your lymphatic system with your specialist? And number three, cold showers. What a way to start your day. Invigorating your lymphatic system and boosting your immunity. Will you try it? I recommend starting by switching off the warm water at the end of your shower for 10 seconds and building up as you can handle it more. And as I'm recording this first thing in the morning, that's my cue. So thanks for listening. I'd love to hear your newfound insights for the episode. I'm going to go jump into a freezing cold shower.